The following podcast is for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, guys. Welcome back to another episode of True Crime on Easy Street. It must be Sunday afternoon in Center, Alabama, because there are drinks everywhere on Katie's desk. There are boxes on the floor. Mm-hmm. We're all wearing our headphones and pointed towards the bright sunshine of the window that has no blinds. That is becoming the running gag on the show now. My name is Scott Wright. I am a mediocre journalist. That is your running gag, Scott. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, going to stop it now. I'm Kelly Turner, and I'm not a doctor. I'm Katie Givens. I'm not a lawyer. So, guys, here we are in December, right? This is our first yes. episode of December, which means that it's almost the end of 2023, which also means that it's also the, the almost the beginning of episode of season four in wow. 2024. It's getting close. And I am looking at the list of all of the shows that we're going to do in the first few months of 2024. I can't tell you what they are. Right. Or Kelly Turner will run me out of the building. Yes. But I'm telling you right now, guys, it's going to be a hoot. You're going to have a great time listening to us. So don't forget the circle Wednesday mornings at sometime in the morning. <laughs> sometimes. Uh, sometimes. We're not exactly <laughs> sure when that episode's going to upload. Know, when we feel like dropping yeah, it. Yeah, we're, just, we're fooling with you a little bit there. But yeah, uh, so we're coming back in 2024 mm-hmm. better and bigger and newer than ever before. Yeah, and our, according to our wrap-up, our Spotify wrap-up this year, we came back bigger and better in three. I know, yeah. I love three. the yeah. Spotify wrap. I don't I, I don't know what you're talking about because you guys never share that information. I did. She did text send message. it. You did? Yeah. Oh. All right, well, we're even because you guys didn't see my text message from last week, whatever it was. Yeah, our listeners you can't remember, remember yeah, it, it count, that we're not it? even. Uh, I have a shout-out. Okay. Kenneth Steed. Uh, and okay. I'm not sure where he's from. He reached out on Facebook. He was referencing our D.B. Cooper case ah. from last November in yeah. 2022. And he said that he has seen some documentary that uh, that is of the opinion the authors are that D.B. Cooper was also the Zodiac Killer. Oh. So. Woo. Yeah. It that, makes sense. It was the right DB. time frame. He's everywhere. Yeah. I mean, Zodiac was late 60s. Cooper was 71. Mm-hmm. And. And then the Zodiac Killer disappeared. Mm. Speaking of conspiracy theories, there's a good one for you. Go there is that one, up. yeah. Check that out and see see what everybody can find. We'd love to know. Yeah, send us an email to truecrimeoneasystreet at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Did we get any about the Kennedy stuff? I don't think Did so. Anybody look? I don't think so. All right. We had no one brave enough to guess my age either. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Uh-oh. Uh, all right. I, that's all I have. Okay. All right, listeners, I got you right where I want you then. If, oh you're, boy. if you're too afraid to to ask my age, yeah. then we're going to yeah. get along just fine. I know that I am too afraid to ask <laughs> your age. All right, so this week, if we have nothing else as far as uh, I've got some more shout outs, but we're going to dole them out. We'll just we'll dole them out. Trinkle them, tinkle, sprinkle. Ugh. You know, let's don't tinkle or sprinkle in the studio. Let's don't trinkle either. Yeah, let's sprinkle, don't do sprinkle like the lady on TikTok. Yeah, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, I'm not cr- saying, you're not chronically online like I am. I don't want to guess. <laughs> I'm not on TikTok at all. TikTok Uh-oh. scares me. I'm afraid of what yeah, I don't, might learn. Yeah, I was about to say, it, it will suck you in. Just yeah. I tell people who... It's a black hole. Yeah. So. All right. Plenty of rabbit holes at True Crime on Easy Street without getting TikTok involved. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. All right. Correct. All right. I'm done. Okay. So this week, we are in the state of Alabama. To be more specific, mm-hmm. we're going to Montevallo, Alabama. I was there yesterday. That's close to Birmingham. It if is. If you're not Just familiar with the south map. south of Birmingham. Yeah. About 30 minutes south of Birmingham. Uh, give or take, depending on traffic. Depending on who's driving. Yeah. 
you you earlier than Kevin? Uh, no, I mean you know Kevin just average. seems like the old sixty miles an hour on the interstate. <laughs> He's not with the window down in his arm out kind of guy. No, okay, well, good. Not at all. Yeah, then I'm not so worried about the next time I get invited to go somewhere with him that involves <laughs> interstate driving. That's right. Don't be. Uh, he's very uh, time efficient and time aware when he is traveling. Mm-hmm. So I was in Montevallo yesterday and I owe one of our dear listeners an apology. Travis Shorty West. Oh. I had one job yesterday and that was to get you a hat. A Montevallo University hat. Like the one Kevin wears? Uh, similar. Okay. They, they make it's them good in hat. gold and purple and, and Shorty wanted yeah. the gold. They're the Eagles, right? That's their mascot? They're the Falcons. Falcons, mm-hmm. okay. So and, it's a good looking uh, logo. It is. Yeah. And uh, I failed my one job yesterday. So uh, my daughter's there. She's taking her finals. She's going to pick that up for you, Shorty. My apologies. I guess we should just be glad you showed up here today. I know. Pl- yeah, I know. Because I was texting uh, Stephanie, his wife, and I was like, Stephanie, is he mad? And she said, no, he's not <laughs> mad. And I said, whew, I don't want to piss off Shorty. No, don't. No, I don't, I don't want to see a mad Shorty. I know. He's, it would be so hard to see because mm-hmm. he's, so, he's so great all he's the so time. He's so out of character. Yeah, yeah. I much prefer dancing Trav to angered Trav. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so Shorty, thank you for your patience. Um, all right, so we are in Montevallo, Alabama. Let's talk a little bit about the town because it's it. There is a, a university there, but there's a town. Okay, Montevallo is, and you can say Montevallo or Montevallo. What do you guys prefer? Mm. Do you like the strong? I never really thought I was about, about it. to say we're southern. We don't put Montevallo. strong teas. Y'all don't care about the strong tea. All right, Montevallo is southwestern, uh, the southwestern part of Shelby County. Uh, there's a little downtown strip located along Highway 119, if you know your Alabama geography. Uh, there is the Reynolds Cemetery Road there, just giving you some markers there. If you don't know these areas, look them up. It's a cute little town. Yeah, Google map it. I love it. It is home to the state's only public liberal arts college, the University of Montevallo, which was originally founded on October the 12th, 1896, as the Alabama Girls Industrial School. Mm. We'll have a quiz later because it's finals week. It is finals week. The campus is just a short walk from the main street of Montevallo. You can literally come out of the college and less than 10 minute short walk, maybe... If you're a fast walker, less than five. Boom. Post office, fire department, And it is like walkable. Yes. Like people, the whole thing is, yep. That's Mm -hmm. nice. Yes. How many students there? In the university, there's anywhere on any any given year, 2,200 to 2,600. Okay. Small, small college. All right. All right. Montevallo has 12.59 square miles of land. It's located 36 miles south of downtown Birmingham and 64 miles north of Montgomery. It is surrounded by rural, unincorporated portions of Shelby County, with its nearest incorporated municipal neighbors being Calera, which is six miles east. And then there's Alabaster, which is 11 miles north, to give you an idea of where it is. So you exit off the interstate and you have to drive a little bit. And you think, we've taken a wrong turn. Okay. And then it's been a long a time sudden, since I've been to Montevallo. There it is. I was in college the last time I traveled to Montevallo. Yeah. So that's been yeah, a couple been a of minutes. Yeah. You, you drive up and you're like, oh, 
Well, here's the cute little town. Yeah. Okay. All right. Not only is it home to the university, it's home to American Village and the Alabama Veterans Cemetery. In 1814, Jesse Wilson laid claim to Wilson's home located above Shoal Creek, making it the oldest settlement in Shelby County, Alabama. In 1817, after General Andrew Jackson defeated the Creek Indians on the Coosa River, homesteaders like Wilson and his family and friends settled in the area. This is coming straight from their little website telling you about it. Okay. Um, now during this time, the area was known as a little mountain in a valley, and Montevallo is thought to have derived its name from this geographical reference. The direct Italian translation of Montevallo is on a mound in the valley. Oh, I like it. Simple enough. All right. So, there's the history of the town. Lots of cute little things that they have there festivals they just recently had their christmas parade it's all decorated for christmas things like that okay the population in the 2020 census was 7229 people of the town of the, the city. town oh wow. the city of small i said mm-hmm. just small all the way around yeah to give you a little dynamic 70.6% white 20.3% black and 4.4% hispanic with the median age being 27.5 years old all right there you go. Sounds you like go. a college town. Now you got to have. Now you got a picture. Let's talk about a very prominent family in this area. Doctor Milton Lee Orr O R R was named the acting dean of Alabama College. This is what it was called uh, in July of 1952. So it was the Alabama Industrial Girls School. Then it became Alabama College at Montevallo. And in July of 1952, they promoted Dr. Orr as the acting dean. Dr. Orr was a graduate of the University of Alabama, Scott. Yay. Okay. And was in Sigma Nu, if you were wondering. Um, Found that in the paper clipping. <laughs> I was a GDI in college. I don't know what that means. Yeah, you Think can't about it. really say it on yeah, the pod. I got it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I was just wondering if you would say it. All right, Dr. Orr died at the age of 86 in February of 1975. Now, he, he left his wife, Annie Laura Orr, um, as a widow. They had, uh, from what I could gather, looking at different paper clippings from that time, they had two daughters and two sons. And this is me digging through paper clippings back in the 70s. This. This, that was a little bit difficult. Yeah. yeah. So I think they had two daughters and two sons. Now their son, they did have, at least have one son, Milton Lee Orr Jr., named after his father. He later became the mayor of Montevallo in 1966. He served as mayor from 66 to 72. But before becoming the mayor, Dr. Orr Jr. was the town dentist and was, uh, they wrote a little, had a little pamphlet or a little booklet back in the day and they described him as, quote, the most gentle of all dentists, end quote. I guess that's a, a marketing Yeah, yeah. I guess angle. that's a compliment, yeah. yeah. Another, uh, uh, his sister, Lori Orr Binion, uh, was featured in an article for the Shelby County Reporter in October of 2013. She's a local artist and a cook, and she said it says she comes from a long line of great cooks. The Ors actually have their own sauce. It's called Or Sauce. They put it on everything, and you can find it in this little 
clipping from 2013 and give you the whole recipe and you can try it. So I don't have to so buy is, it. I can this just is make it. So southern. I know it is. This so is, southern. This is the Orr family yeah. that right. we are discussing. There is a park that is in walking distance from the university that is called Orr Park. Dubbed one of the most unique parks and nature preserves in the South, Orr Park is Montevallo's crowning jewel. This is taken from a uh, from the Montevallo uh, website. Yeah. Okay. Bordering the picturesque Shoal Creek, this 40-acre park features traditional amenities such as athletic fields, pavilions, a gazebo, and restroom facilities. But the magical tree carvings throughout Tinglewood remain our greatest local attraction. Pedestrians and cyclists traveling throughout the park are as likely to pass by gnomes, a dragon, or a fish eating a snake as they are to pass by a local family walking their dog. Sounds like somebody's on LSD. Tinglewood is solely credited to Mr. Tim Tingle, a local coal miner by trade who took it upon himself to transform storm-damaged cedar trees into glorious works of art in the early 1900s. He continues to bless the city with his talents for residents and visitors to enjoy. Orr Park's original land was donated to the city of Montevallo by former mayor, Dr. Milton Orr. And I'm going to show you guys a picture of some of the trees. Oh, I got you. Okay, that looks, that's interesting. Oh, okay, yeah. It's like, like some head figures uh-huh. and stuff. Anyways, you can you can take a look at this. Interesting, like, this like could be a gnome, little creepy. Two gnome faces. Yeah, it looks like Here's Professor a- Dumbledore. Yeah, it does. Into the side of a tree. There's yeah. a dragon uh-huh. carved into okay. the side of the tree. So you can walk through. You can go there from the campus. Because I I, te- I asked my daughter, I was like, "Can you go? Have you ever been to Orr Park?" She said yes. And I said, uh, "Is it close by?" She said, "Walking distance." Yeah. So, okay. It's right so there. something people do. Yep. Okay. Let's talk about our victim because now that I've told you about the city, about the the family, I'm. I apologize, but I am now going to break your heart. Yeah, there was a disclaimer at the beginning of this episode for mm-hmm. a reason. Yes. Our victim is Annie Laura Orr. She was born in July of 1894. Now, another source says that she was born in 1895, but she was 86 at the time of her death in 1980. So my math tells me mm-hmm. that... If she's born in July, it's going to be 1894. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> okay. This is our victim. She is the widow of the former dean of Montevallo and the former, the mother, mother of the of former the- mayor who donated the Orr Park land. And who was the dentist. It was also the dentist. Got yes. it. And then her daughter is the one who gave the sauce recipe to everybody. Okay. So- Miss Annie was an 86-year-old widow who lived alone. <clears throat> it was Christmas Eve morning, 1980. Within a few hours, almost everyone had heard the gruesome news. A longtime 86-year-old distinguished widow of the former, former dean of the Alabama College, now University of Montevallo, Miss Orr, had been found brutally raped and murdered in her home. Now, this is coming from an article by Dr. David Nichols, who at the time was the university police chief. 
during this crime. So he says, quote, before the sun set on my hometown that Christmas Eve, we had two suspects in custody as they left a trail of evidence from the widow's home to their own homes. Interestingly, I had taught both of these young men at Montevallo High School and eventually assisted in taking them into custody. The day before, they had done yard work for the lady, which ended in a dispute over what she paid them versus the quality of their work. Mm. All right, so Dr. Nichols would go on to say that the evidence in the confessions matched, quote, perfectly and was enough for them to charge the two men with the crime. He also had the unique opportunity of, of course, teaching the two boys in high school. And in this article, he talks a lot about their behavior and their behavior issues. I'm not going to quote the whole article, but I am going to reference it. You can take a look and see. Um, I mean, he's biased. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Obviously. Um. But that doesn't mean it's not a, a good article. So you can kind of check. And he goes into some other issues. If you agree with him, you're going to think it's a great article. If you don't, you're not going to think it's a, I mean, it's a, still a good article, but you're not going to like what he has to say. So anyways, uh, he's a retired uh, education administrator and law enforcement leader. Uh, he served at every level K through 12 education. He is a graduate of the FBI National Academy in Quantico, Virginia, and he served on two local school boards and earned the Master Level School Board member awarded by the Alabama Association of School Boards. So that's who this guy is. All right. And at the time in 1980, on Christmas Eve, he was the chief of the university police. The body of 86-year-old Annie Laura Orr was found by her son on Christmas Eve, 1980. Mm -hmm. She lived alone and had been severely beaten and raped. Police found a trail of playing cards leading from Miss Orr's home to the home of Victor Kennedy. Uh, police knew that Kennedy and a man named Daryl Grayson had been seen together the previous night. They eventually found Grayson hiding in the bushes near his home. Jewelry from the home was in his wallet as the wedding rings. Her wedding ring. Good grief. They left a, a trail of playing cards? Playing cards is what it says. I think they are looking for... As I understand it, they're looking for money in the home and just sort of ransacked the place and had um, obviously lived within walking distance because they Mm -hmm. left a trail of playing cards. That's that's from a movie. Yeah. They broke into her home, found her alone in bed, taped a pillowcase over her head, raped her repeatedly, and beat her, demanding to know where the valuables were kept. This comes from their testimony at trial. He also testified at trial and said later that he was too drunk to remember what had happened. And I'm going to go ahead and jump to the uh, the end of the story for you guys. Both of these guys, Kennedy and uh, Victor Kennedy and Daryl Grayson, were executed. Oh, good. Uh, Kennedy was executed in 1999 and Grayson later than that. And um, I'll get to his. There's some controversy as with everything. Yeah. All right. So here's the conviction. So as I said, the officers discovered a trail of playing cards leading from Miss Orr's home to the home of Victor Kennedy. Uh, found the wedding rings uh, in uh, Daryl Grayson's wallet. Uh, he was found squatting in the bushes. Also, there was a bloody shirt there that uh, he had with him, and that they found. Now this is 1980, so. Where 
DNA is not what it is today. Not it's not anything yet. Yeah. It's, so it's just, 85 or 86 before the first time there's ever a conviction using DNA evidence. We've talked about it before. I don't remember. It was in England, I think. Yeah. So when interviewed by police, Grayson told the officers that he had performed yard work for Miss Orr in the past. He was familiar with her house and had entered her home with Kennedy in the early morning of December 24th. They woke her up. Uh, he admitted that they repeatedly raped her while searching her house for value, valuables. Grayson and Kennedy took the money and valuables they found, left Miss Orr in her bed, and left the house. The autopsy determined that it was the tape that actually killed her. They had put something over her head, like a pillowcase. She asphyxiated. And, yes, and taped oh, her, her head. Yeah. Within 30 minutes of this interview, Grayson again waived his Miranda rights. Now, this is a, a report from the newspaper that you can find. So, they, they go to great lengths to say that he waived his Miranda rights three times. Mm-hmm. Can you do that? Sure. They're your rights. You can do whatever you want with them. You can, you can, you can wave them. use them or cast them aside. Okay. So, uh, he's going to wave them a couple of times and he's going to give them a statement and he's going to say they, they had a lot to drink that night. They were playing cards. Uh, they were, uh, playing other games too, but just like drinking a lot and they had and been, they were mad because they, they were mad about the money. Yeah. Yeah. And they had, uh, they say in trial that they have been planning this for about a week. They, they had done yard work for her before they knew okay. the home and uh, I guess this was just what set everything into motion was okay. the dispute about what they were owed and then the alcohol and you know up up in the middle of the night because it's early morning hours of Christmas Eve mm-hmm. okay so he gives a couple of statements and it's finally at that third one where he says We'd actually been planning this for a couple of weeks to get money for Christmas. Um, he said that he knew where she kept money, but turns out as the crime is going on, they're not finding a whole lot. And so then they're going back to her and they're demanding, where where are you keeping, Where where is the money? Grayson also states during trial that Miss Orr had begged them to take her money and not hurt her. And again, he taped a pillowcase over her face to prevent her from recognizing him. And after that, he could not understand what she was saying. So that's why they first put the thing over her face is they didn't want her to know. She knew them. Yeah. Yeah. Grayson stated that both he and Kennedy raped Mrs. Orr repeatedly and unsuccessfully searched for money and other valuables. He admitted that at one point he had taken Miss Orr to the bathroom and then returned her to her bedroom where he raped her again, but he could not remember why he took her to the bathroom or what happened there. Grayson explained that Kennedy urged him to leave the house while he was raping Mrs. Orr and Grayson left Mrs. Orr on her bed with a pillowcase taped over her head and face as he left the house. Okay, so again, I'm pulling this from articles from quotes from different different types but of it's articles. what the two of them are admitting to they're admitting to the to this in court either in the trial. statements or at at the court statements uh, at, and in, court. in trial mm-hmm. and so i'll reference all of these articles so yeah. that people can go back and you know read the whole thing uh so the state is going to present expert testimony about the crime scene they're going to say trace evidence uh Shows that the hairs recovered from the crime scene and hairs taken from Grayson and Ken- Kennedy are, they're comparable. They're, they're similar. Right. Well, so they, they had at the time. Yeah. They can't say that, yes, those are their hairs. Do they have to? They have confessions. 
that's what some folks say. Um, the expert explained that several hairs recovered had characteristics consistent with Grayson's and Kennedy's hair and inconsistent with the victims. Now, to give you a little bit of, of a difference as to how they're able to discover that is Mrs. Orr is white. Mm-hmm. Kennedy and Grayson are black. Okay. Yeah. So they're talking about the different hair consistency. Sure. And, and what the hairs look like. And so you've got an 86-year-old woman. Her hair is going to look different than two guys who are African-American and are, I think they're they're 19 at the time. Okay. Yeah, obviously there's going to be some differences there. Didn't we have, was it the Atlanta child murders case where they had they did the hair That's too? Right. Yeah, that was uh, late 70s. And so hair was one of those hair and uh, fibers from like the blanket that was... Yeah. Found in the back of the car, Mm -hmm. of Wayne Williams' car. Now, this expert is going to go on and say that the hairs were actually too small to allow an individual comparison. So, so there's every time I, I show you one side of a coin, I'm, I'm going to flip. Sure, and show you. That's yeah. the way this case works. The expert also testified that hair, that a hair recovered from Grayson's sock following his arrest was consistent with the victim's head hair and inconsistent with Grayson's, but the expert couldn't really say as to whether it was the victim's hair, just as it's consistent. The state's fingerprint expert testified that the latent fingerprints lifted from Miss Orr's home and on the evidence were insufficient to allow analysis. So they don't have good fingerprints. The state's ballistics expert testified that the two bullets found in the wall between Miss Orr's bedroom and bathroom and on the floor in her bedroom were of the 38 caliber size and were fired from the same weapon, likely a, a Smith and Wesson revolver. Now, in one of the testimonies, the guys are going to say they did fire some shots to scare her into telling Good them grief. where are the valuables. And so they they get get these bullets. Now, but the expert further testified um, that the police had not given him a gun that matched up with the bullets. Hmm. So we don't have a gun. Yeah. But they the in the testimony they're talking about a gun that they used that and the ballistics are consistent with what they're talking about. But there's no actual gun that I guess he I don't was able to find to, to match it. I'm just, I don't, I'm not so concerned about the hair fibers mm-hmm. or if the gun was found. You've got written confessions from two people. It might be in a minute. Okay. I'm just saying I as, understand. as things go. Yeah. Okay. You might be or you might not be. Okay. And we've had false on, confessions before. This is true. People are on both sides of this. It's, it's really a complex case. All right. As we head toward the 2023 holiday season, the Cherokee County Chamber of Commerce and Tourism wants to remind everyone who lives in the surrounding area to shop local. Shopping locally means having lunch at a restaurant in town or purchasing unique items in a local shop or boutique or simply filling up your gas tank at the station down the street before hitting the road for a holiday vacation. Small businesses play a major role in maintaining our way of life by supporting our schools and nonprofits and providing jobs in the community. In short, they are giving back. The Chamber encourages you to give back to them by shopping local this holiday season. For more information, visit Cherokee-Chamber.org. Are you in the market for a full-time Weiss Lake home or recreational lot? 
Let Trini Davis and Elizabeth Powell put their all-star property group at Keller Williams Realty to work for you. Trini and Elizabeth are locals themselves, so they know the Wise Lake area, and with over 40 years of experience, they're professional listing and buying agents, talented home stagers and photographers, and specialized marketing team will work to make your lakefront dreams come true. Check out the Keller Williams team on Facebook at All Star Property Rome. You can also visit at All Star Property Rome to browse their images on Instagram or give them a call at 706-844-7493. That's the All Star Property Group with Keller Williams Realty at 706-844-7493. You can hit pause, call them now, and make your Weiss Lake dreams a reality. Are you a fan of true crime on Easy Street? Do you love us so much that you would like to be a sponsor? Well, here's how you can do it. Send us an email, truecrimeoneasystreet at gmail.com. We will send you a rate sheet. You can decide what you want your commercial to say, or we can customize it for you. That's how good we are, and that's the service we provide our lovely sponsors. So email us today at truecrimeoneasystreet at gmail.com for more information. All right, the state's expert testified that blood stains found on a pillowcase and a bedspread in Miss Orr's bedroom could not be typed, nor could urine and semen stains found on a bed sheet recovered from Miss Orr's bathroom. But the expert testified that the blood stains on Grayson's shirt recovered from the woods near his house were type O blood, and that could have either been Mrs. Orr or Kennedy. Both were type O, but Grayson is type B. The expert said that the blood and semen on her nightgown was type B, which is consistent with Grayson. So they they were able to get a match on the nightgown, not on the sheet. I don't know if you care about any of this. I'm I'm still saying. I have not changed my mind yet. Okay. My mind's. Yeah. The wheels are turning. Grayson provided testimony on his own behalf, mainly to the effect that he was too drunk to remember anything. We've talked about how this is not usually a good idea mm-hmm. in the past. If you're on trial for murder, mm. I mean, how many times have the people who got on the stand to defend themselves? Never. It doesn't. Ever. But maybe do that. Lorena Bobbitt, but that wasn't murder. Yeah. Most defense attorneys are going to, you know, OJ say, don't get acquitted. on the stand. He got on the stand. Yeah. yeah but most of the time. Yeah. Just, when they get you in that witness room or that uh, interrogation room, you say one word. Yeah. Lawyer. Yeah. So he's saying in court that he's mainly too drunk to remember anything, but he's he's still sort of standing behind yeah. the confessions and and the things that Kennedy has said. And we'll get we'll talk about Kennedy too. A jury took two hours to find him guilty. And then we, like I said, I'm fast forwarding. Kennedy was executed in Alabama's electric chair at Holman Prison in Atmore, August the 6th, 1999. Now Grayson is going to, by the time he is executed, it's going to be lethal injection. Okay. So he's, we had stopped using the electric chair by the time Grayson finishes with his appeals process and and all of that goes. Right. 
the uh, the trial judge says the court cannot think of a case that has seen, heard, or even read that would equal the cruelty shown in this case by the defendant to Mrs. Orr. That's what the judge had to say at trial. Yeah. An 11th Circuit Court of Appeals judge said Grayson confessed several times, testified at trial about the murder and his role in it, and does not contend that he was denied a fair trial. The non-biological evidence against him was and is overwhelming. For example, Grayson admitted that he and Kennedy planned the robbery a week before. The victim's wedding rings were found in his wallet. Grayson's bloody shirt was found in the woods near his house, and Grayson was discovered hiding in the woods after his mother told him of Mrs. Orr's death. I would not have taken any more than two hours. Yeah, that's probably to just return procedural. the same verdict yeah. that the jury did. From the Birmingham News, the U.S. Supreme Court, in a two-sentence order, denied a request for stay of execution. The Alabama Supreme Court denied a request to postpone the execution. This is Grayson. Governor Bob Riley, who chose not to commute his sentence or issue a reprieve, said attention had been focused on Grayson and, quote, seemingly ignored has been the consideration of his victim. Mm, Yeah. That's Bob Riley for you. That quote sounds weird, but I understand what he's saying. Yeah, I get what he's saying, but that's, 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 what a way to say it. Uh, Riley cited Grayson's repeated confessions and his failed appeals as influencing his decision to not stop the execution. No new evidence has come to life that would warrant a reprieve. I mean, he just denies it. And they go forward. They move forward with the execution. Now, as the years moved on, Grayson says he claimed he had no memory of the crime at all. So they, the, the article calls this memory lapse. This, this section is memory mm-hmm. lapse, colon. And uh, the, they go on to say that the Innocence Project and other activists said a DNA test could prove conclusively whether he raped Mrs. Orr. If a test found DNA belonging to a third party, but not to Grayson or Kennedy, the case against Grayson would be undermined. So the Innocence Project eventually gets a hold of this. Mm-hmm. And... Just to be clear, the Innocence Project, I know that their job is to make sure that there are no innocent people behind bars or certainly no innocent people who get executed. On death row. Yes. But they, there have been cases where the DNA did prove and they stand behind that. And, you know, you can go to their website and see that. So they're, they're just wanting to make sure everything was done to... to verify that this is the, your person. They're not yeah, an they, advocate for the convicted. They're an advocate for justice. Yes. And they're That's just because they take a case does not mean that they believe they're innocent. Right. They right. just believe it hasn't been proven. So Daryl Grayson, as the years tick on and he is on death row, he gains a lot of popularity, which is a terrible word to say when you mm. talk about a crime like this. But the Innocence Project gets a hold of it. They're they're trying to help him. There's other organizations who are anti-death penalty that are working with him. He starts writing poetry. Um, he gets a lot of attention, and that's kind of what Governor Riley was talking about when he did not you know, stop the execution was, we focus so much on him that we have forgotten the yeah. 86-year-old Makes victim. Sense. The Bless victim gets lost in all of this. Yeah. Bless her heart. Oh. Uh, so Daryl Grayson does write a statement before he is executed. Uh, 
This is coming from that statement. After 20 plus years on death row and acceptance of guilt, I came to question my participation in the crime of which I was convicted and for which I received the death penalty. My family, friends, and acquaintances had never believed it as I had no prior criminal record or reputation for violence. This is true. He did not have any prior. We have the the uh, professor or the the doctor who had taught him in high school and talked about how he was a behavioral problem there right. in high school. But we all know that that doesn't necessarily mean that you would go on to do something. Sure, like there's this. a big gap between I don't pay attention in class and I raped and murdered an 86 year old woman. Exactly. Six years ago, my belief in my guilt was shaken because a witness who had been my been with my co-defendant, myself, and another individual that night came forward to state unequivocally that I could not have committed the crime as I was passed out cold on the floor due to drugs and alcohol. Furthermore, the statement from the witness that my co-defendant had borrowed my jacket that night when he left and committed the crime explained how jewelry belonging to the victim had supposedly been found in my wallet which i always kept in my pocket i was not present when the police found the jewelry it never made sense to me how i a non-secreter could have my blood type identified from the semen the innocence project determined that the test used by the state would not have been able to identify my blood type nor would they have been reliable The argument made by the state that I could have ejaculated twice did not coincide with my sexual history, which told me that when under the influence, I would not even be able to ejaculate once, let alone twice. It sounds like he's had a lot of opportunities in all of that time that he's been incarcerated and on death row to talk to a lot of different people who want to throw the kitchen sink at this and see if anything sticks. Mm-hmm. It it's also a crazy thing to say that after twenty years I've begun to question my yeah like that seems like mm-hmm. a that's little, a crazy thing to say a little late mm-hmm. yeah this statement goes on and on and on and you can look it up and read it he's arguing uh, for his life I, he is. I guess I would yeah. write until my pen ran out of ink as well yes absolutely you certainly don't br- blame someone for going through the appeals process now here are the high points of why people were in support of of. Daryl Grayson's innocence. Okay. All right. Number one, Judge Watkins had set a tentative date for a three-day trial on this for June the 26th and then denied this due to pressure by the state. Now, Katie, I'm going to need your help here because what he cites here, they are saying is very unusual. He cites L-A-C-H-E-S. L-A-C-H-E-S. Latches? Uh, yeah. It's out, that's what it and sounds like. And that's why he says... Is that some Latin term? I don't know. We're getting at? That's what we're getting at? So he sets a, 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 a tentative date for a three-day trial for June, but then denied yeah. this due latches to pressure is, by the state. Latches is just equity, I think. Like, yeah, it says that they're the doctrine of latches, there must be a delay in bringing the action. Unreasonableness of delay must exist and the delay must be prejudicial to the opposing party. Okay, so that's what he's citing as to why he um, denied um, this. So I guess the argument is the state says, look, we've already tried this guy. We've already convicted him. Mm -hmm. And you calling another case 
mm-hmm. is it's prejudicial to us good. because we've already done this job once you're making us do this job. Yeah, again. and basically saying they Maybe. waited too long to bring the claim. Okay. Yeah, it's been a long time. Because mm-hmm. lack of is, diligence on this the, is by the like party. we're in the 2000s at this point that they're doing this. So the I mean, so you could, you could do DNA evidence. You could do more enhanced. Blood. I mean, there's a lot more technology available. Mm-hmm. I get it. Why? Yeah, they're just saying, look, you've got some evidence here. Let's let's do the DNA test. Yeah. Let's see. But the and state's then, saying, and then it. they've obviously talked with him quite a bit about being a secretor, not non-secretor, yeah. all of all of those kinds of things. Okay, number two, Daryl Grayson had an all-white jury and a divorce attorney as his lawyer for his initial trial. That doesn't sound fair. Yeah, that doesn't sound fair. What's the yeah? What's the divorce attorney do? like? Was he a public defender too? Or, Probably or just like appointed, appointed. I guess an appointed yeah. public defender yeah. was his I turn mean, we, in the rotation. We're talking about two defendants who are very they're poor. Was it tried in Shelby County? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and, and it's and there's no there's no black people like what? Well, you know, I gave you the 2020 census of Montevallo. Yeah, 60 percent, 25. Yeah. It was uh, 70 20. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, so they're just by percentages if you do a random yeah there should have been a couple there should have been at least and if i'm a defense attorney and i've got a you know a young mm-hmm. african-american client i'm i'm, I'm I, I want I, I would try to get some diversity on that jury yeah right they also stayed in number three daryl's attorney failed to investigate citing insufficient funds from the state hmm. oh. uh his attorney told him uh, Daryl, who was 19 at the time, to throw himself on the mercy of the court, and for and it says, i.e., confess. Although he had been in an alcohol blackout the night of the crime, with no recollection of the event, and now here that that particular statement, um, I think that's debatable because he gives several confessions mm-hmm. that have details that have some details. Being in the bathroom, being mm-hmm. here, and and the there's there's semen in the bathroom. There's, you know, the evidence is there's a reason I kind of told you all of that at the beginning because he's he's claiming that at one point in time he brought her to the bathroom. He doesn't remember what he did, but then he brought her back to the to the room, and then they're finding bodily fluids consistent with that. So is the is the unqualified defense attorney who is the divorce attorney thinking he's going to get those confessions thrown out at some point, and then it, maybe it does make more sense for the defendant to say, I don't remember what happened. I was blacked maybe, out. I but know. if the jury gets to read those prior confessions, then you just look like a liar. Mm-hmm. Then it's very difficult somewhere or at other. this point to be, to believe anything that you say. Yeah. It's it's what's so, so complex and so difficult about when you have a confession, then you have somebody taking that back. Um, let's see here. Number five, a witness who was with Daryl, Victor Kennedy, already executed for this crime, and Rodney Grayson gave sworn affidavit that Daryl Grayson was passed out cold and did not leave with Victor Kennedy or Rodney Grayson. So there's, Victor tells of Daryl's involvement and his own involvement. Daryl tells of Victor's involvement and his own involvement. Mm-hmm. Now they're saying that Victor has turned around and said, no, you were actually passed out cold. You didn't do this. And then also on the night of Victor Kennedy's execution, he sent word to Daryl Grayson via the chaplain 
asking him for forgiveness. Victor Kennedy had steadfastly refused to answer Daryl Grayson's questions about the events. You know, Victor was executed in 1999 right. before Daryl. Right. And so he sends word with the chaplain asking for forgiveness. So they're, they're obviously they're saying there's some questions there. Daryl B. Grayson, represented by the Innocence Project, has been denied DNA testing of evidence, which could clear him because it would uh, contradict his false confession of culpability. In denying testing, the state argued that Daryl Grayson has not claimed innocence. As stated before, Daryl B. Grayson has no recollections of that night. The state's saying, you didn't claim you were innocent. I guess the big problem I have is... Anytime that that a state, after there's been a conviction like this, and then the state denies the, the testing of new evidence, I don't understand that because like, if just you're, test it. yeah, if you're securing your fucking conviction, mm-hmm. you've sent this guy to the to death row, mm-hmm. then let's why not make sure? Why not make one hundred and one percent sure? If you're one hundred percent sure, that's fine. But if there's a mechanism that would allow you to make it one hundred and one percent sure, why not do that? I guess it also money. depends. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess they would probably claim money, but how much can that really cost? A couple thousand dollars, and doesn't the Innocence Project have some sort of fund availability? I'm sure that they would have been willing to pay for it if the state would have allowed it to occur. And, and I don't know how that works. I mean, I would think they would be, if they adopt a case, then they yeah. would be willing to to do that. I, I'm not sure, but... Yeah, budgeting's um, got to be part of But I guess you also have to argue, I don't know about the samples. I don't know what the samples are like now. Uh, 20 something years later, yeah, you know, at this point, that. Not but now, we've read about it happening. I mean, so it's not like the samples aren't still viable. And the, but you got to think, was, were they collected properly? Is there enough of them? Okay, yeah. Whole you know, chain of evidence thing. Can we and prove, then, yeah, where, where have they, they been stored? Where yeah. are they now? Are right. they even still being stored? I guess I could see the ball, uh, the, the, the sticky wicket that the state is mm. worried about. Yeah, because you, and I'm not saying any of this is, is, the case, but I'm saying, you know, yeah. you open that door to, they're like, well, we don't have that anymore. Yeah. You know, what the crap, how are we supposed to test? Yeah. And I don't know that. I don't know if that's what it was. They're just denying it. Yeah. Um, no. And that, again, the state does have a leg to stand on because they're saying he, he didn't claim he was innocent. When we got to trial. He didn't yeah. plead not guilty. He never said, I'm not guilty. Yes. Yeah. So he had no, plea. and I think that's the that's the deal with the latches thing. Like it's like, surely he pled not guilty that. though, didn't he? Didn't he plead not? Says guilty? Uh, has not claimed innocence. I don't know. I guess I uh, okay, maybe not. Who knows? Well, his attorney really was terrible. Yeah, well, his because attorney, I don't think his attorney was really good at all. Sorry if you're I, out there, sir. I don't there, think sir. he was well represented, and and definitely he needed somebody else. Yeah, you know, and, and um, there was probably a a point in it where they weren't really offering him much of a plea deal. Mm-hmm. So like you kind of like, what you the, can I enter think, an open plea too. And then you just, you go. That's you thrown know. on the, that's throwing yourself on the mercy of the uh-huh. court. And I think an that's open plea. what the, the lawyer was trying to do was at least maybe try to get, keep him alive. Yeah. And not, not because have if you say not death, guilty, if you throw yourself on the mercy yeah. of the court, maybe they'll show you some pity. Right. And that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause the, Alternative is just, um, you know what you're getting, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. If the state's yeah. saying, hey, we're, you know, we're going for the death penalty no matter what, then you got to shake your dice. Yeah. And they were going for the death penalty of this. And I, and I think there were many things. First of all, the brutality of the crime yeah. and, and what 
everything that happened. I'm not going to go back through it. I've told yeah, you. Yeah, let's don't. Um, and the fact that you're talking about, this is a prominent white woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mother of the former mayor of the town, and she still lives there, and the, the police chief yeah. knows, everybody knows the family. And a beloved yeah. woman. I mean, the, the Orr family has done so much for that area. They're a loved family. They're a great family, you know? And so people were mad. I mean, it shook this small town and their feelings of safety and comfort in their own home on Christmas Eve. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, even, that's, the, that's not the worst part, but that's one of the really bad parts. And she was found by her son the next morning oh, and the Lord. way her head was <clears throat> taped, she looked like a mummy. Yes. Laying there. Does it ever say like were they were there intentions to kill her? I don't know if or did they, they just kind of leave her for dead and did it, I think they just kind of left. They were their intentions were to rob. I'm not sure why the rape happened, but someone mm-hmm. okay, Daryl Grayson is saying it it was not him. Well, someone and at least two people went into that home, raped and beat this woman. Yeah. The bodily fluids show that two different people did this. Right. So you've said you did it on multiple occasions, written and at trial. And your partner, supposedly in the crime, has said on multiple occasions that you both did this at trial and on in written statements. So, and then you're including details in your statement that match that match where they found the crime scene so if you didn't do it then who did yeah yeah how the hell did you know that and so he's that i guess that's why the innocence project is saying well let's test this and then let's just put it to bed let's just say you know because now he's adamant i don't remember anything and i've got people telling me that i was passed out yeah <clears throat> and there's no way that I could have done this. Well, <clears throat> I think the Innocence Project should change its name to the Justice Project. Yeah, maybe. It just but, it sounds like you're trying to put your thumb on the scale for the bad guy, or at least and that's the not person really that's, right. and it's not. It's, it's not, not what, what they're, they're trying doing. to do. They're trying to do a noble thing. Absolutely, they have been. I love able, the cause. Yeah, I just, I just I, they've I don't been able like the to marketing. exonerate some people who were dozens yeah who who were innocent mm-hmm. and and um and that's no justice for anyone and you think about mrs orr who is our victim who who is who we need to be focusing on it's not justice for mrs orr if you get the wrong person that's correct um but this case like i said is so complex that i do believe he needed a better attorney and i do believe an all-white jury is not fair at this time in Alabama in mm-hmm. 1980. Yeah. And he's a 19-year-old. I know technically in the state of Alabama, that's a man, but have you met 19-year-olds recently? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just, I don't like all of those aspects of this case. Mm-hmm. Um, but more so, I, I hate that the victim gets lost when we do all of this. Always, but it's true. It But the like. police are standing behind what they're finding. I, you know what? I can't say 
you can't look at this case and say, the, well, if the police had just done what they were supposed to, but it, they did. Yeah, we've yeah. had plenty of those. Yeah, and too. I guess where some of the people who are, are supportive and sympathetic to Victor and Daryl, the the uh, the defendants, would say that they were coerced, mm-hmm. that the probably because they they go argument. on to say they waive their Miranda rights. You know, they give these confessions, and there's no lawyer there. Right. Yeah. So there, there is that part that that you just don't like about this case. Too. Yeah, I don't like that part. Yeah. In particular. So, again, as I said, I'm going to show you one side of the coin, and then I'm going to flip it, and I'm going to show you another right. side, and then that's going to confuse the heck out of everybody as I'm confused with this. Um, I don't think that I can even go forward and rule and say what I actually think. We don't know. I don't know. I'm just giving you the 101 version. And these are the facts that have been put forth. And you can sort of decide for yourself what you think. I wish they had tested the DNA. I really do. That's what I said. I just don't wish understand yeah. why you just don't. And that, you know, just like we mentioned, the, the child murders and, and anything that happened in the late 70s to the early to mid 1980s, if you were sent to death row, mm-hmm. you were, you just missed DNA evidence yeah. being a part of the, of the chain of evidence or a part of the, the, the prosecution story or the defense story. So you got to try to go back and do that. If, if this new technology has come along and there was this burst of that. And I, but I just don't think that the judges and the, and the police force, and they're, they're not wanting to entertain this anymore. Um, this had become, you know, this was gaining attention and, and that it was really, they were getting mad because the attention was going to Daryl. I understand and, that. You know, they're not, they're not liking that. You know, Judges and law enforcement and, and, and folks like that, they, they don't like when folks continually tap on them and say, what you if sh- you're wrong? What you if you're sure wrong? You what right. if you're wrong? Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, like, you know what, then don't go into that profession. If you don't true. like that. And if, if you're going to be in that profession, I'll guarantee you the folks here in Cherokee County who are in law enforcement today are well aware of the fact that they have got to make sure that chain of evidence is correct when they come across a case like this, which just recently was, took place in the courthouse. And we may talk about that case at some point down the road, but that was, there was DNA evidence. There was, uh, there was forensic evidence. There was, mm-hmm. uh, there was a weapon was fired Ballistics. at the same ballistic evidence. Thank yeah. you. And so I guarantee you that the folks who prosecuted that case made sure that every T was crossed. And I was out. What if some new technology comes along in five years that is something brand new that we don't even know about yet? Right. You've and got to be able to go back and say, you know what? Let's, I was sure about it this time. I'm still sure about it, but just for the sake of everybody's conscience, mm-hmm. let's do this too. And just make sure that's just me. I don't know anything about the law. Well, and the technology gives us the benefit of of doing that but again i go back to we don't know what these samples were like we don't know yeah katie a lot of unknowns there's so many unknowns with that you you just don't know um and we i wanted to to say we are going to do that case the case you just referenced in season three maybe we're season four sorry um but we are waiting just a little bit to let yeah. everything shake out, shake yeah. loose. And Sounds like a great opportunity for Scott to use his journalism skills. My mediocre journalistic mm, skills. Yeah. I will. I've already uh, kicked him into low gear. Okay. And, I know uh, this case when he texts me and Kelly and, and tells us the verdict and we're asking questions, he's like, oh no, I just left. 
Relax. Medium. I was there for closing Medium. arguments, but I, I got what I needed. Mm-hmm. Not what we needed, though. Yeah, we were asking mm-hmm. questions you couldn't answer. You That's such a man thing. Get like a better bring... journalist to be on this show, then. No, yeah, it they, is they'll a man bring thing. something up, and then when you have follow up questions, they have no answers, and it's like, don't even bring it up, then. Yeah, yeah. Why are we? Why? Why'd you start something that you it can't is? Finish? There's there is a a miscommunication there between males and females. Yeah, like that, what they think is important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, the two of you never a sentence when a paragraph will do. <laughs> Exactly. I am that. Uh, So let's talk about, we've talked about Daryl Grayson quite a bit. Let's talk about Victor Kennedy, the other uh, person that was there. Kennedy made three statements to the police, all of which were admitting uh, and admitted into evidence. In those statements, he's admitting to accompanying Daryl Grayson, whom uh, Annie, Mrs. Orr, had employed to her house in order to steal money for Christmas. Both had been drinking heavily, and Kennedy had a gun. According to the statements, Kennedy entered the house with Grayson. They entered through a door in the basement is how they got into the home. They didn't just, like, bust down the door. So they knew how to get in. If they were landscaping about yeah. the house, they knew the, they knew about the back door into the basement. Yeah. So Kennedy stated that he saw Grayson having intercourse with Miss Annie. I guess you could call it that. And that he entered her bedroom at this time to look for his gun. Kennedy did not admit, however, to taping the pillowcase or to having been in Annie's bedroom when the tape was wrapped around her head. Apart from Kennedy's statements, the state's evidence was circumstantial. This is according to this uh, article. Playing cards found in Annie's house and on the path between her house and Kennedy's nearby residence corresponded to the missing cards of a deck seized at Kennedy's residence. Hairs collected from Mrs. Orr's body and bedroom where she was found proved to be those of a black male. Both Kennedy and Grayson are black, but forensic analysis could not identify the hairs as belonging to either of them. We're kind of restating a lot of the things that I'd already stated further. Uh, Grayson made two statements to the police, neither of which was introduced at Kennedy's trial. Grayson's story differed from Kennedy's. According to Grayson, he and Kennedy had gone to Annie's house at Kennedy's suggestion to rob her, and Kennedy had taken a gun. Upon breaking into her house, they both went to her bedroom. So their statements are. A little different. Uh, well, they were both drinking. Yeah, and there, and no one's, no one's willing to put themselves as the ultimate bad guy. I didn't tape the, I didn't put. The but stuff they both on put head. themselves in the house. They're both admitting to being there. The missing cards from the deck. I mean, these two idiots literally left a trail of breadcrumbs back to their house. Yeah, and and Grayson ad- admits to raping her and and admits that Kennedy did as well they're they're saying a lot and then they're not saying a lot they're they're pulling back uh well now Kennedy did not um he just sort of said he he never wants to put himself I did have a gun but I didn't go in her bedroom yeah that's it's all convenient what was nope. yeah what the Okay. I uh, yeah. I can't wait until okay. the end when you ask me if I think justice was served in this okay. case. So, um, Victor Kennedy was pronounced dead at twelve eleven a.m. Uh, on uh, whatever what did I say August of nineteen ninety nine ninety nine yeah in the electric chair. 
he was the first person that was executed for killing her. So from 1980 to 1999 is how long we wait to for the first Yeah, figure that person. trial started in 81. So, I mean, close to 20 years either way. Just before the execution was carried out, a somber Kennedy sat quietly in the electric chair. He made a brief final statement, which wasn't audible to reporters. But Holman Warden Charlie Jones said Kennedy thanked his supporters and wanted Mrs. Orr's family to know he was sorry. Uh, as the current was switched on, they go into how that, you know what happens when back, someone's electrocuted. Back when they still did that in the newspapers, they wanted to, you know, there was usually a reporter there. Yeah, they gave it, they gave detail. And they gave the details. And they gave the detail to his attorney, uh, was there and had no reaction after the execution. Uh, the Orr family, in a statement read after the execution, criticized the lengthy appeals process. It took 17 years for Kennedy's sentence to be carried out. So they're frustrated. The yeah. Orr family is frustrated. Mrs. Orr's granddaughter um, and a grandson by marriage was actually there at oh, this dang. execution. Um, so then we have uh, Grayson is left, and then he's put to death. I'm I'm scrolling because I have so many notes here, guys. Bear with me. I'm sorry. July 26, 2007 is when Daryl Grayson was okay, so executed. Eight, so eight years later. He was 46 at the time. It was in Atmore. And, um, of course, we know his last meal. You got, I mean, nah. do you guys care? Um, the last thing he said was the word peace and flashed a peace sign before he died. And then I put my own little snarky comment here in my notes. Uh, Mrs. Orr's last meal is unknown since she was unaware it was going to be her last meal and couldn't very well plan the damn thing. She didn't have time to prepare, but she did beg for her life for no to no avail. Oh, so that was gosh. my little snarky comment. I'm so sick of when people are on death row and we get their last meal and all that. Yeah, I, did, I didn't I want to know. Yeah. All right. Um, the granddaughter after... After Grayson was executed, um, Lee Rollins Binion, remember I talked about her daughter, whose last name is Binion, her granddaughter witnessed this execution on behalf of the family. And the quote from the family is, the family of Annie Laura Orr has seen the final chapter of this lengthy 27-year struggle come to an end. We are grateful that justice has finally been served. So the family, of course, believes that they have the right to individuals. Anti-death penalty groups appealed to Governor Bob Riley for a stay of execution until DNA testing could be done. We know that that's, uh, that was denied. The states, uh, they said the state only provided Grayson's original lawyer, who was Richard Bell, with $500 to hire experts and conduct the defense. But Riley rejected the plea because they had not brought any new evidence to light, he said. Yeah. So, that is it. Uh, also, the last um, quote from an article in um, from a news article that I will reference says, the killer's own numerous confessions, his own trial testimony where he himself admitted guilt and the overwhelming physical evidence left a jury, no doubt, he perpetrated a cruel and monstrous crime upon a helpless elderly woman. I, I- 
Based on your abbreviated version of the evidence, I'm inclined to side with the jury on this. I mean, it sounds to me like justice was served. It sounds like somebody else didn't get some good lawyerly advice at the very beginning of this horrible process as the defendant and later yep. on tried to tried to fix it. And I guess the question I, I would pose to anybody is saying, you know, we've pointed out some things that we just didn't like. We didn't like, you know, the lawyer and the, I the, mean, the, the same, divorce and attorney. I'm not, and I don't want to, I don't want to say bad things about this particular lawyer. He may have just been appointed. They may have said, I mean, a judge can go and say, uh, guess what you're doing? Yeah. That's true. You're doing this. Yeah. Here's $500. Figure it out. But also like that's, that's not that big a deal to me either because it's not really his job to investigate it. The, the prosecution has the burden. Yeah, of you proof. Know? Yeah. So it's, yeah. you know, he's... And with Discovery, he should know everything that they know, right? Yeah, so it's really not his... Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Like he doesn't need, I mean, you know, it's, it's nice to have. It's still an argument, I guess, to make and an appeal. And I guess the question is, was he adequate, was this young man adequately represented at trial? Um, And then, you know, we've talked about these confessions and not having a lawyer present and being there in interrogation and being interrogated for hours and hours and hours. Those kinds of things. When you're 19 years old, you're undereducated, you're in poverty, do all these things matter enough to say maybe we should do something different? Maybe there should be an appeal. I think it's pretty standard in any death penalty appeal for one of the grounds for appeal to be insufficient defense counsel, yeah. right? I mean, that's probably yeah. the first thing you do. If you can find one single thing, mm-hmm. if you're the defense att- or the uh, appeals attorney, mm-hmm. you can find one thing that that defense yeah. attorney didn't do right, you got grounds for an appeal, at least in your mind right there. And so you start to write that brief. Right. Well, and I believe, you know, the Innocence Project stands behind the, they're, they're saying that the, the new evidence quote is that you've got people saying that they're, they're testifying that they saw him, or they're mm-hmm. not. Te- they're claiming where, where they were saw they him twenty passed out. years ago. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Well, like, maybe that's now? where maybe that's where the insufficient funds for investigation comes in. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, but it doesn't cost anything to talk to. Well, people. I know, but maybe it costs something to find out that you should talk to that guy. I don't know. I don't, yeah. and, it, and again, so many we're talking we about nineteen eighty in Alabama, mm-hmm. and you've got two young black men on trial, yeah. so you can't. You cannot deny. Wasn't George Wallace still the governor of Alabama in 1980? I don't know. I think so. You can't. Or maybe it was Fob James. I think it was Fob James. That's your. You cannot deny that that makes an eyebrow go up. You know, us living in Alabama, living here all of our lives, that's a black eye. We understand that. That was a time in our, still a time in our state where, mm, yeah, there was a lot of racism. Mm Mm-hmm. But again, I go back to, is all of this enough with, with the other evidence that, that we have had presented? Do we still believe he got a fair trial? Do we still believe that the, the correct verdict was reached and therefore justice was served, Scott? Do, do you still believe that? I, in, in, yeah. in my heart of hearts, justice was served. Okay. No, and there's still, no wrong answer But here. damn it, you're still supposed to go through every yeah. single step and make sure, make sure that you, if you're going to put somebody to death, mm-hmm. yeah. make sure you get that right. Mm-hmm. The evidence shows that there were two African-American individuals in her home 
at some point. And there were two males in her home at some point because of semen evidence that we have. So if if not him, who? That's my question is then who do... Who did this? Was mm-hmm. there another accomplice? Kennedy, Victor Kennedy never denies, Maybe never yeah. said that. Uh, Victor Kennedy said he was sorry mm-hmm. as they were executing him. Yeah. He admitted even mm-hmm. in the chair guilt. And it was our old buddy, Fob James, who Fob James commuted Judith Ann Neely's death sentence yeah who was the governor of alabama when this happened but wallace ran again wallace wheelchair bound george wallace ran again and was reelected to governor uh in november of 82 and took office in 83 but when the when this happened in montevallo in 1980 it was it was so you know just i mean there's some things that don't sit well but yeah you just yeah. Well, the cases like this, we you always leave feeling a little itchy and dirty. Yep. It's just there's just no, nothing yeah. good about it's, it. It's you knew that when you sat down in the chair today, and you tried to prepare us, and you said, "Listen, I'm going to tell you a few bullet points because this is a bad one." And you're right; you didn't disappoint. It was, but <laughs> these are always like that. They are, and and we're in the, we're we, in, we're in the business of true crime here. Yeah, and we picked this one because the crime happened in December. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I picked this a long time ago Ah. and I went into this completely blind this week. And then when I started digging into it and digging into the family and seeing all the the things and how she was just a beloved widow there and just, just minding her own business in her home on Christmas Eve, Mm -hmm. her granddaughter had been there earlier that day and on the 23rd and had seen her and she was fine she's doing well and then you know she goes to bed and the next day on christmas eve morning her son comes to 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 check on her for christmas and this is presents this is what he sees Mm. this is what he finds i can't imagine so it's just heartbreaking it's absolutely heartbreaking Mm -hmm. so anyways that is the brutal rape and murder of Annie Laura Orr on Christmas Eve, 1980 in Montevallo, Alabama. I will put all those references that I used for this case in our show notes. I'll give those to Katie and uh, you can look this up for yourself and and see what you think. I would love for you to send an email and tell me what you think, if you think they got it right or if you think there's some other Send that to Option. True Crime on Easy Street at gmail.com. And what yeah. else should people do while they're out there hanging out this week, listening to us on their podcast platform of uh, choice? Listen, listen to us on Spotify if you can. That sure helps us. It but does. Of course, pick your favorite platform. Yeah. But, but if, if you, you don't can, care. Yeah. If you don't mind and you got Spotify, we'd love for you to check us out there. That really helps us. We've got some cool things coming up. It is December, like we've already mentioned. It's Christmas season. We may have a whitey Christmas uh, here at True Crime on Easy Street. Oh, he loves to drop hints about future episodes. If you think you figured out just by Scott saying that. um, Let us know. Let us know. Is that it? Are we done? We're done. Good night, everybody.